0: Everybody said, Amen. "Amen." All right, we are awake this morning. I just sense the power of God in this place because God inhabits the praises of His people. So I just, I just sense God wants to really do something powerful, and so um, I, I'm so glad that you're here. I'll be honest. Um, this morning, you know, we get here early, and I thought, well, nobody's going to be in church service today, even though we're a part of Big C Church. You know, everybody loves God, but um, I thought everybody's going to go to the beach. So I'm just so glad that you're here. This. <laughs> Such a wonderful day out, isn't it? And if you're online with us, we just want to welcome you to the MVCC fam. Really glad that you're here. And there's a chat section on there. If we can do anything for you, you can uh, make it known. Really, really glad that you're here. Tragedy, unfortunately, has struck uh, Orange County here at Cook's Corner. We've probably all heard about that. Um, And then, of course, what's happening in Maui. Um, I just want to take a moment because we don't ever want to be so far removed that this is kind of our holy huddle, and we don't ever let the world you know, affect what's, uh, what's going on in here. And so um, I wanted to just um, let you know that some of you have asked over email and personally just asked, I know a lot of our team here, you've asked our leadership, is there something we can do for Maui to help them rebuild their lives? And so we prayed and prayed about that, and we just really felt like there was an open door for us as we have already a relationship with a church on Maui called Cornerstone Christian Church. And so we talked to the pastor and some of the leadership there. And uh, what we're going to do, what felt the best way to do this, is we're going to partner with them, who they've already been um, outreaching to some of the families that have lost homes, jobs, everything. There's about three families right now. In fact, one family lady, um, her home, she lived alone. She lost everything, and so she hasn't... relative that's letting her stay there. And she invited 12 people from their church who lost um, their home and everything. So they're all kind of crammed in one little thing. So the question is, where do we go from here? That's, of course, their question. So um, what the church is going to do is reach out physically to them, provide whatever they need. They've already started to purchase some things so they can kind of rebuild their lives. And so we're going to financially give to them uh, to the church. The reason I like that is because not only are we helping them with what they need, but obviously they're going to be able to give the gospel. And so we get to partner with the gospel and helping people on Maui to hopefully come to the Lord and restore their church. So um, a few of, our, few of our family here um, got together already and said, We're going to raise money. For Maui, and so this is above and beyond our regular giving to MVCC. If you want to do that, and I thought we'd just take a, a moment to take a look at who that is. Um, those are, isn't that great? So what they decided to do, these girls decided that they were going to make bracelets, and then they went through their uh, closets, all of their uh, stuffed animals and things. They sold at a garage sale. They sold all this stuff, and um, they presented this with me or to us. I'm sorry. To bless Maui, Lexi and Ella. Now, I haven't opened it yet. Do you want me to open it now? Okay. I feel like, you know, we're at the Grammys or something, right? (laughs) (laughs) And inside, the winner is... Oh, my goodness. Wow. Look at that. And there's a card. Obviously, they made some cards here. We're going to send that to the families on Maui, so this is a great start. Amen. Yeah. So, um, inside the seat back in front of you, you'll notice there's a Maui Relief Fund little QR code there, and you can just uh, attach your phone to that really quick, and it's so easy. There's a link, and we just you can give online, or of course, um, as Pastor Brian mentioned, there are some boxes uh, on the outskirts of our worship center, and if you want to write a check or give some cash, um, just put on their Maui Relief Fund, and then we'll just uh, we'll just give. It's going to be great. And um, they're going to send pictures and video and all that uh, from Maui the further we get into this. So we'll be able to have a good, good report on what's happening. Hey, um, just a couple of quick things that are so important. Um, September 10th, as mentioned, we have what's called Missions Sunday. Now, what this is, is part of our financial giving, a portion of that, goes to help the gospel to spread around the world. So we pray over the years, and we decide what missionaries or outreach people that are doing missions, not only locally here, but around the world. And so, for example, there's one in Montana. It's called um, Pine Haven Christian Children's Ranch. We just sent a team there. Um, and they served for an entire week. It's a ranch that basically takes troubled youth and brings them to this ranch, and they learn about Jesus. They go to school there, there's homeschool, and then they work on the ranch, and they work hard with their hands, and they learn what it means to be a man and woman of God. It's amazing stories that come out of that. That would be an example of a mission that we support, not only with prayers, but with finances, and we get to go and put, um, if you will, boots on the ground and get to serve them. So they are going to be here, 11 of them are going to be here on that Sunday. We're going to have this big barbecue outside, it's going to be food, and then there's going to be what we call a missions fair. Now here's, here's what we just want to ask. I want to ask you to be praying about this, because a lot of these missionaries, they live on a shoestring budget, and they have to raise their own funds. So. By us supporting them coming to talk about their stories and just praying for them and letting them tell a little bit about what's going on, there's still gonna be a message on that Sunday that um, I'm gonna speak about missions, but I really wanna ask that you would pray for them and encourage them when they come here. So here's a couple of ways we can do that. When we go outside, after the service is over, um, there's what's, I mentioned a missions fair. There's gonna be tents and all of their um, information about what they do. We're going to ask that you grab a lunch okay it's grab and go, and then kind of walk through the missions fair, get to know them, say hello to them, and find out maybe you want to, your family wants to support them with prayer, so you're going to be you know going around to the missions fair and taking some things that really kind of maybe appeal to you in fact, there's one organization we support that helps unwed teens who would have the choice of either abortion or giving um, their child up for adoption and helps them counsel through that, that abortion is not the right way, that's not what God wants, that having that child is difficult as it is. So we support an organization called OBRIA, and that's what they do here locally. So again, this is just really good for them. It's good for us. We get encouraged. And here's the other thing. Sometimes I think we think that pastors and missionaries and full-time servants... Um, come out of the womb, just anointed and called of God, and that's just all they do. They're just, we're just regular people. Your pastors here, we're just like you. And these missionaries are just like us. And so God touched their heart, God called them, and then they heard the call, and of course they've sacrificed everything to get to serve the Lord. So um, does that make sense? Does that sound cool? We're just, I, want, I want you to be a blessing to them. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Also, I don't want you to miss Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, 7 o'clock from 7 to 8. You don't have to be here right on time whenever you can get here. If you have to leave a little early, that's okay. It's not the kind of service where you have to be quiet and walk in, not disturb anything. We're having worship and most of all, prayer night. And I am asking God to just pour out his spirit, not just here, but on our entire city And I I am a firm believer, the only way that God will do that, through our city and become, wouldn't it be great if Mission Viejo one day became known as the city of God? Something happened in the city of Mission Viejo, and it starts with prayer. It starts with repentance. It starts with the church. Those of us who know God and believe in Jesus and follow Jesus, when we get right with God, when we humble ourselves, God pours out his spirit, and then it floods into the city. We've been asking God for not just hundreds, but even thousands of people that we could touch here at MVCC. and all the Bible churches, we have been gathering together the pastors of our city, lead pastors, to get together and really start praying for our city, praying for your neighbors, praying for people that you work with, people you go to school with, people that are in your life. Maybe live under your roof, but don't know Jesus Christ yet. We want everybody to have an opportunity to know him. God loves everyone and he wants everyone to have an opportunity to be touched by his love. Amen? Amen. So that's why it's so important we come to prayer night. A church that does not pray, we can say we pray, but unless we pray together, that, there will be no power in that church. We want Holy Spirit power. I saw on the weekend this young girl who's a teenager. She was at a worship and prayer gathering outside in some venue. And there were thousands of students there. I saw she gave testimony. In the middle of prayer, the pastor prayed. And this girl's ear, she had been deaf in her right ear her entire life. Her ear opened up. She got healed. She was crying. There was like people hugging her. It was the most amazing thing I've seen. I have been praying, God, release healing over your house. There are many of us here that are suffering with pain and heartache. It might be emotional pain and heartache. And I believe that God is still the great physician. Jesus is the great one. He is the almighty God. He holds everything in his hand and he can do it. But he's looking for people that will cry out to him that were so hungry for God and want nothing else than to have a touch from heaven. So let's pray because today I want to talk about in our series, listening listening, and be able to discern the voice. So let's pray. God, we are praying for a Holy Spirit moment now. God, we believe that you're here because not only did you tell us, but we sense, God, your spirit here through the incredible worship of our our worship leaders that are just humble of heart and hungry for you. So God, all these songs, all this teaching and preaching, everything that we do, taking communion, loving the brothers and sisters here, God, reaching out to those that are unsaved, all those things, God, it's all for you. This worship service is a gift, God, to you. We wanna present it, God, from our heart so that, God, you would be well-pleased. I pray that you would help me today, God, to preach and teach the truth. Help me, God, to not be afraid. Help me, God, to not focus on me or my problems or what I'm going through. We focus on you, God, because we believe, God, you want to do something great. And I believe, Jesus, you will do something powerful, either changing a heart, healing somebody today, changing a mind, whatever it is, God. We give you full reign, Holy Spirit. We want you to do it, and we believe that you are already at work. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The next series that I'm going to do is called Bringing Them Back Alive. I just want you to be praying about that after we finish this series on Hearing God. Bringing Them Back Alive is about how can we reach our non churched, unchurched, unbelieving friends for Christ. I want to give you good tools and good food to eat on how to reach people that we love. Amen? Amen? If I was to ask you this question, which I'm going to do, the devil has many tools, doesn't he, to distract us. From hearing, hearing his voice, what would be some of those distractions? I just want you to think in your mind, one, two, three, or four, what would be a tool that he would use against you to get you to not hear the voice of God? I think some of us, probably most of us would say temptation to sin, uh, or maybe the allure of that temptation to get involved in something that's not of God. Um, Many, I think because we live in the OC, I think distractions would probably be on that list. You know, if the devil can keep us busy, you know, then we're distracted from hearing the voice of God. But here's one I want to talk about today, which the title of the message is, He Has Already. God already has, and he wants us to be listening. I think one of his main tools, and I know with my own walk with God, this resonates with me, is Accusations. 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 Some of us here still hear some of those voices that were either negative, that told us we would never amount to anything, threats, trauma, maybe even that's the self-condemnation, the voices that we create in our mind that tell us we're no good. When I was in junior high school, um, one of my... Um, Shortcomings, one of my uh, insecurities is I've always been short. I will always be short. I read somewhere that pastors who are over six feet tall carry more authority with their church. Isn't that, That's so silly, isn't it? But something like that will get inside my head and I'll think about that. I thought maybe getting platform shoes that would be even higher might help me a little bit. So when I was in junior high, I was walking in, uh, I went to Nigel, Hill, Nigel Hills Junior High School. I was walking through the quad, going to my lockers, and I was walking through this area with a friend of mine, and I remember this really tall, big kid. And you know when you're in junior high, you just, you just see things differently. You just, whatever. <laughs> you're trying to find out who you are. And so I see this guy coming towards me, and I didn't think anything of it at the time, and before I even knew it. He was in my face and I had my books in my hand and he went. all I saw was his arms that went like this and he pushed me hard in my chest. I literally felt back, fell back, my notebook popped open, my uh, 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 papers and stuff were all over. I was so embarrassed, everybody was laughing at me. Now that may seem really silly to you. I don't know, maybe some of us have had experiences like that but things like that still once in a while will come up for me. And I have insecurities. I have my own, if you will, own self-accusations that I deal with. So if you're like me, we can either choose condemnation or here's what I want us to choose so we can hear the voice of God or conviction. I wanna talk about that really quick, the difference between those two. So, Condemnation and versus conviction is key to hearing God's voice. An example of this would be in the New Testament, that even saying his name, I don't remember hearing his name anywhere, even in society. I've never come up to a person and say, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name is Judas. I've never heard that anywhere. There's something about that name. Even when it comes up now, there's this kind of sick feeling that I get in my stomach. To think that he followed the Lord for Three years that he, had, he saw the hands of Jesus heal people and touch people and touch the lepers and feed the 5,000 and everything that Jesus... He saw all that, yet in his mind, he had his own play of what he wanted Jesus to be doing. And literally, he sells pe- Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I can't imagine selling the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver... Now, unfortunately, because of so much condemnation on himself after what he did, unfortunately, he took his own life. There is a destruction of self-condemnation, isn't there? That if we believe all that stuff and we keep repeating it, and unfortunately, if we live it out, it can be destructive behavior. And how in the world am I ever going to hear from God when I'm hearing all these other things? But... There's one in the Bible that as soon as we say his name, we get happy, and that's Peter. Whenever I hear Peter's name, I get happy for two reasons, because I can identify with him, but Peter was the leader of the apostles. Peter was the one that preached the very first sermon at Pentecost after Jesus had risen from the dead. There was a period of about one month. The disciples are huddled together in the upper room. Peter flings the door open after the Holy Spirit falls on all these guys, speaking in tongues, 120 believers in this room. Amazing moment. And he opens the door, and he sees thousands of Jewish people because of Pentecost that was there, and he gives the first good news gospel. I want to change that and say great news. The the gospel's not good news. It's great news. And he gives the first gospel message, and 3,000 people are baptized right on the spot. Now, don't tell me, devil... That there can't be a Holy Spirit revival in our city where we see thousands of people give their lives to Jesus and get baptized. We may have, if God breaks through and does something, we may have to ask some of you who have been here for a while, I need you to get in the swimsuit and I need you to baptize these 25 people. You baptize these 35. You baptize these 50. If God brings that moment, we want to be ready. Isn't Peter the one who said, I don't even know who he is. You must have the wrong guy. After being with Jesus and looking into the eyes of Jesus and telling Jesus, I will go to Jerusalem, I will die with you. Remember, he said that. Here's Peter that gave up everything, and yet now three times, not once, not twice, but three times, he is denying that he even knows Jesus. Why were those two men different and what happened? Because one was falling under and believed there was no way out. But one repented and he believed that Jesus won the victory at the cross and Jesus can redeem and restore anything. I don't want any of us here to think that there's anything that we've done or something that was done to us that God cannot forgive, God cannot restore, God cannot heal. He can do anything. He is the God that can do all of that. And this is the difference. This is where I want us to be at MVCCs, under heavy conviction. Not just about things that we've done wrong, not about things that we need to change, but a conviction that God loves me. He's for me. He has a plan for my life. He's not against me. God doesn't hate me. God is madly in love with me. Nothing will ever change that we are God's children. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are his child, You are under his favor. And it's not because of behavior. It's not because you're sitting in this room that he loves you. He loves you even if you weren't sitting in this room. Even if you were doing something that was completely off kilter, completely ungodly. God still loves you. I I want you so much to understand that. And just not from here, but really inside your heart. This brings the conviction that God, I want to hear your voice. I want to do what you want me to do, God. Because I know that you love me. And you'll never stop loving me. How many of you have children? How many, come on, have grandchildren? How many of you, when your children disobey or disobeyed, did you ever say, well, you're not my son anymore? You're not my daughter anymore? Never. We would never do that. Even if we're displeased with their actions, you will always be my son. You will always be my daughter. And nothing, nothing will ever change my love for you. This kind of intense love is what I want us to feel this morning because there's something when we are touched in the heart and know that God loves us, we want to then listen to his voice all the time. It's not like, well, I guess I better discern the voice of God so I got to do these five things. Okay, I guess I'll do it. No, I long to do it, God, because you love me so much. And God, you have something special for me today. I know that God is speaking. I just want to hear him. So condemnation always leads to despair condemnation, self-condemnation will always lead to despair. Condemnation will never call you into the presence of God. It'll always lead you away from his presence. But Holy Spirit conviction always leads us to hope. There's always hope. I don't want you to think here for a moment that there's something that either you have done or haven't done in your life or something, again, done to you, that there's no way out of that. God always provides a way out. He's always a God of hope. And so we wanna be listening, listening to his voice. God did not deal with us according to our sins as we deserve, amen? But according to his love as he decided to love us. So question, I think, I really think, just my own experience of walking with God, a lot about listening to God has a lot to do about what I believe about God and what he believes about me. Would you, would you agree? So I thought I could just quickly just illustrate this because visuals for me are powerful. You remember when we did that... Um, could you help me? I thought I could grab both those chairs, but I can only grab one. So. I wish I was taller. I wish I was bigger. Thanks, George. Um, what was I saying? Illustration. Yeah, illustration. Remember when, we, remember when we did the one about the fences? We built off fences. I saw that. I didn't make that up, by the way. Half the stuff that preachers do, we steal from one another. But that was so powerful for me. That, that, that visuals, I think that's why Jesus, he told parables, he told stories. Because when he told a story, people would lean in and then he could hit them with the love and the truth of God. Now, if you're like me, even now as a full-time servant pastor, which is a privilege to get to do this, honestly, I still have some of these thoughts. If Jesus were to have... An open conversation with you in front of everyone. What would he say about you? What would he think about you? What would he feel about you right now? I have been so angry with you. That's, that's one. Sometimes I feel that. Or how about this one? What, what, what? Like, what, what was that? That Jesus was just extremely distant, far away. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God for something and it just feels like you're hitting the ceiling with your prayers and God isn't even listening? David, in the book of Psalms, said, God, why are you so far away from me? Why won't you answer me? Where are you, God? Those feelings that sometimes we have, I think it's, it's healthy for us to tell God how we feel. I I think the other one that um, he might feel about me, you, as he might even lean into me, you, Mike, are such a disappointment. That's a big one for me. Sometimes I feel like I don't measure up. Following the Lord and being a pastor, such a wonderful church like this, there's moments that I feel... That he's disappointed with me. Now, how does that play into this? Because if I believe all that stuff, if I'm living by what I feel sometimes, how in the world am I ever gonna hear his voice? Let alone, I'm not sure I even want to hear his voice. If he's always angry, come, come to church with me and, and meet the God that's always angry with me. Do you see how this works? come to church with me, come come visit MVCC and, and hear about the God who's just distant. Come to MVCC and hear about the God who's disappointed with me. You see what happens if we start believing this stuff, which I think we probably would all agree, we've all felt this at one time or another. If we believe that and we live by that and let that rule us, again, it's a distraction from hearing from God. So, what do we do in the middle of this dilemma that we have? If we were just real, right, with ourselves and with God and people who we trust, I'm sure we've all felt one of these three emotions. And I don't want anyone here to be driven or live by that. So, what do we do? What does Jesus say? In Luke 15, we're going to get there in a second. I just want to set this up. We're going to get to verse 20 through 32. But here's here's what Jesus would say. So Mike, I just want to tell you, there was a certain man who had two sons. Now I've heard this played out, that Jesus, remember, was accused of being with tax collectors and sinners, prostitutes, people of ill repute. He was accused of that. That tells me he hung around them. That means he was in the places of ill repute. So when he told this story, a man had two sons. And the younger son said, Father, all of your inheritance, I want it now. He might have been in a bar. He might have been in a place where there was a lot of carousing, a lot of smoke-filled room and dancing and lots of just music playing and people over in the corner arguing and fighting and throwing uh, alcohol on one another, just a lot of stuff going on. And as soon as Jesus says, a certain man, when he walked into the room, had two sons. I believe everything stopped. And he told the story. And the younger son went off to a far country. And the reason he went off to the far country is because he hated his father's values, his rules, his God, his religion, everything. I'm out. In fact, I know how this works. You owe me. In Jewish culture, the older son would get, two, would get the major portion, but the younger son would get half of it, and so he knows how this goes. So the saddest part of the story is that the older son was with the father the entire time under his roof. We'll get to that in a second. But as the younger son squandered everything, he spent all of his money. He wasted everything. In fact, he wasted it on prostitutes, uh, drink, drinking, out, uh, uh, riotous living. He uh, was hanging out with people who he shouldn't have been hanging out with. He blew it all. It got so bad in his life that he longed to eat what the pigs were eating in the hog trough. We, city people, I'm city boy, so I grew up here most of my life, um, was in Hawaii for six years. I don't know anything about a hog trough because I've not, I've not been on the farm, if you will, and I've visited, but I'm told it stinks, it's muddy, it's dirty, there's flies. I won't go on about all and all that happens in the pig trough. Can you imagine getting... To a place that it's so bad. Funny, where did all your friends go when you threw all the parties? As soon as the money ran out, right? He's all alone. And in the middle of that mess, he comes to his, the Bible says, he comes to his senses. Now here's something that we, when you heard the story before, some of you have heard it, some of you have read it, some of you have done deep Bible study about it. It's a great text in Luke 15 but something I never saw before. And as I was preparing this this week, it helped me to want to hear the voice of God more. And that's seeing the story from the Father's point of view. I've never done that before. In fact, I don't think I've even heard messages, Bible sermons or messages or Bible studies from the Father's perspective. What's the one thing that the Father had to do when his heart was broken, when his son took everything and left, he had simply to sit and wait. Have you ever waited for somebody that you love? While the waiting, have you ever been waiting for an answered prayer? Have you been physically asking God to heal something in your body and just you're waiting? I think the hardest part about waiting is while I'm waiting, the worrying comes. Right? Or how about this one? The self-condemnation during the waiting. I think one of the, the saddest, most difficult things is to have a child whom you have raised and loved with everything that you have And they may not physically leave the house, but they've left you and they've left the Lord and they're still under the roof. And you have to wait. If I would have, or maybe they physically have run away. Maybe I should have. Maybe I should have gone to more of the soccer games. Maybe I should have prayed more with my kids. Maybe, maybe I should have said, we're all going to church as a family. I let them make their own decision, but I, in fact, I don't even know if my son or daughter is alive. One of our families here, in fact, one of our elders, our elder shepherds here, was very open and honest, he and his wife, about their daughter who's run away and completely living a lifestyle that's contrary to the way they raised her. And there was one point, For a couple of weeks, they didn't even know she was alive. I can't say that I know what that feels like. I can't imagine. The waiting. Isn't that what the father did? All the while, when the younger son was gone. But it says in the middle of that hog trough, in the middle of all of that, Here's where we pick up the story. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to the son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals on his feet. Isn't it interesting that the father doesn't even say anything? He has rehearsed this speech, the son did, as long as we don't know how that journey was to come back home. And if it was from here to Vegas, that's a long walk. I've driven through Death Valley. It's hot. And his, on his way home, he's rehearsing the speech. Father, I got... Dad... If I only, dad, if I could just be one of your servants, I'm not worthy, how many times did he, his father wouldn't even let him get the whole speech out. He rehearsed the speech that he never needed. And I guess what I wanna say is hearing the voice of God, I go over in my mind when I've sinned or when I remember bad things that I've done or how short I am as an illustration of other things in my life or how the bully nailed me. And how bad I feel about that and so unworthy. That I have a speech that I've rehearsed. God, I want you to get your favor back on me. And he already runs to me. And the fact that he runs to me and doesn't even ask me about my speech that I've rehearsed 10,000 times. Makes me want to hear the voice of God. Does that make sense? So I want you not only to throw a party for my son, but kill the fattened calf. We must celebrate with a feast, right? For the son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back. He's told, and your father has killed a fattened calf, and we are celebrating because of his safe return. But the older brother was angry, And wouldn't go in. His father came out, watch this now, and begged him. But he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, (laughs) when the son of yours Look at the disrespect. Look at the the walls that are, the son of yours, not my brother. Comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, my son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead. I thought he was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, and now he is found. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't this this change something within us? Because I don't know about you, but I live here sometimes. Sometimes I get caught here. I let myself get caught in this place. And therefore, how can I absolutely hear and discern his voice? Here's, Here's a question I I don't think I've ever heard in the message I was just thinking about this week. What about the after party? <laughs> right. And what I mean by that is, what about the weeks and months after the party was thrown and the son was welcomed home? Did he struggle with what he did and am I really forgiven? Does my father really love me? Am I still welcome in this home? Maybe I need to do some things to earn my father's favor because I don't really know if he really has forgiven me and loves me. I don't know the answer to those questions. I just wonder about that. I would venture to guess that he probably had some of those feelings because he's human, just like we are. So, what can we do? What can we do to hear God's voice? Now that we know what God would say, oh, there were two sons. There were two daughters. When they came home, as I've been waiting, I ran to you and I have embraced you. I have thrown a party for you. I love you and always will. See, now that, that causes me to want to hear God. God. We've been talking over the last few weeks about how important quiet times are, and I just want to keep saying it because I don't know if you're like me, you probably are. I need to hear it and hear it and be reminded and reminded about it. I so much want you at MVCC, our family, I really want you to commit to this quiet time with God. The quiet time is just you and Jesus, and you're positioning yourself in your heart and physically in a place that's quiet. It's so simple, but it's so liberating. It's so revolutionary. It is so absolutely life-changing when we make a commitment and say, God, I will spend time with you. And as I mentioned, there's no pressure when we do quiet times. We just have the scripture, the scripture what it says. This is what I think God is saying to me out of the scripture. And then I have all these people that I'm praying for in my life. And I'm praying for me. God, anoint me. God, put your favor on me. God, help me to not listen to those condemning voices. Help me not to listen to the accusations, God. These are some of my prayers. Lord, help me to hear your voice because I know that you love me, but I got to have it move from here to here. And quiet time will revolutionize your entire life in God. I must confess to you, I think I did, I'll just say it for the sake of doing it again, that I got into a period of my life where I got sloppy with this that I was hit and miss on my quiet times and I was justifying it because I'm working for God full time as I'm getting into the office we got work to do God for you and I think I mentioned that I heard God so quietly and remember we looked at last week that he came in a gentle whisper well you should be sorry you should meet with me I won't do anything until you meet with me that's what I hear in my head What I heard God, and I know when God's speaking, there's just a confirmation. I miss you. I miss you. That's where I want us to be. Then this provides a platform for me and you to hear God wherever we are. Whether you're at the park with your kids, whether you're at Costco, whether you're in your neighborhood walking your dog with your family, whether you're stressed out doing the dishes and can't get enough done, God speaks, and this provides a platform for us to hear him. So to wrap this up, what do we do? What can I clamp onto? Number one is this on the action points, not allowing the voices from the past to rule over us, Okay, I get that. I got gotcha. you. I'm with you. But it requires me to step up to the plate and replace them with scripture. Yeah, that's right. So if it's memorizing or thinking about the Luke 15 story, I think about that. I, I, this story, I love. It's one of my favorites in the Bible. And if you just get caught in the middle of I'm no good. I'll never be good. I'll never be able to serve God. I'll never get on that prayer team. I'll come into a prayer night. Really, I know you coming to a prayer night. Forget it. There's no way you even deserve to be in a prayer night. I know what you did. Doesn't the enemy say stuff like that, and we say stuff like that to ourselves? As soon as we start hearing that stuff or going back to the old ways, there was a man who had two sons. See. Devil take that because that's the gospel. That's the good news. This is a way of not allowing the accusations to determine how you will live today and how you will walk with God. It's letting the scripture dictate who you are and how you will walk with God. And I want to be listening all the time, Lord. Wherever you're speaking, I want to be available. Number 2 is this. This is what this just helps me. I have to record scriptures that counterattack the accusations. So this, this is not magic. It's not like, well, just walk out of here. God, just give me the scriptures. We have to open our Bible or open the app. We have, to, we have to meet God where he is, and then he really starts working. In faith, he starts really working. And so we have to have some specific scriptures, some verses that really speak, they're really gonna fire those arrows back at the enemy or just, just accusations at ourselves that we have lived with for years. A lot of us. A lo- Amen. Somebody who's real this morning with me. I love it. Instead of cementing yourself, number three, in past failures, affirm that God loves you. He loves you. And he gave his life for you. He redeemed your life. And he'll return one day to bring you home. Brothers and sisters, I just wanted to remind us that Jesus Christ is alive and he's coming back. And he's coming back not to just restore everything, but he's coming back for you. Personally, he comes for you. And if you're not assured of that, we always wanna give anyone here an opportunity to give their life to Jesus Christ. So in all this, I want you so much to know that Jesus already has done the work. And he asks us to step in and listen. So if you're here today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ, well, you know what, Mike, I've been in church all my life. That's awesome. Well, I think I did that as a kid, but I don't really know for sure. I don't really know if I've really accepted Jesus and given my heart to him and told him that I'm a sinner, I need him. I ask him to forgive me and get baptized. I've never really done all that as an adult. I just wanna lead you in a prayer to do that right now. No better time than right now to give your heart to Jesus. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed such an important moment. Somebody here needs to give their heart to Jesus. And if you've already given your life to Jesus, I want to ask you to agree with me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry, God. I'm sincerely sorry for the sins that I have committed against you, God. Please forgive me. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you rose again. And I receive you now. I accept you now. Help me, God, to take my first steps with you each and every day now. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this last portion, we just want to give you an opportunity to kind of get quiet with God. And so this communion time is the seat back in front of you. There's a small emblem there, a cup with some juice and bread. And the reason that we just take time to do this is because Jesus wanted us to do this. He wanted us to have something physical that we'd be able to remember him. Have you ever felt like there's been a label on your life? Jesus came when he died on the cross to erase all the labels. There are none. In fact, in John 10, he said, My sheep... Know me, my sheep, hear my voice. Recognize through the Holy Spirit when he's speaking. Always, always in parallel with the word. So as we're remembering the cross right now, and as you're remembering how valuable you are to him, I just want you to remember that he loves you and he died and rose again. So, Father, in this moment of having this quiet time with you, we just turn over everything, God. We surrender and we wouldn't be alive, God, we recognize without the cross. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Veil Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.